Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Shuttlepod Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Yacovino, and I'm joined by my good friends, Jared Whitley. Hello. Brian Drew. Hey everybody. And Matt Wright. Hey guys. And today we bring you episode 107, not including supplementals or reviews, <laughs> of the Shuttlepod Podcast. Um, and we're going to take a look back in time to the TOS crew before they were cool. Um, this is, <laughs> we kind of uh, brought this, dredged up this topic again, we have talked about on TrekMovie.com in the past, which is um, because of strange new worlds having come out. We're about at the halfway point through season one now, and it's something we haven't talked about really yet here, uh, much here on the podcast. Um, and one of the things we had discussed before Discovery came out at the beginning, well, way at the beginning of this whole uh, era of Trek was, okay, we're putting ourselves back in the era of TOS again. All these characters that we know and love from TOS, you know, where were they during the events of, of Discovery, which would have been 10 years before um, the intrepid crew of the USS Enterprise boldly goes. Um, and so now we're kind of here again. We're a little bit further on. We're three years past that it passed the start of discovery and we're still asking these questions especially now that we are set on the enterprise the straight new strange new worlds right. and some of the characters we know are there and some of them aren't and so we're kind of going to take back a little look back at star trek history what we know from canon thanks in almost an entirety to memory alpha um and we're gonna we're gonna go down the list and talk about like where all our favorite people were during the events of strange new worlds uh, and of course, some of it's a bit speculative uh, because there's a lot we don't know about the the, the earlier lives, the the pre TOS lives of the TOS crew. Right. Um, and strange some of new it's worlds more fleshed out than others. Yes, definitely. And of course, strange new worlds can add to that. So there may be things that we suggest here that turn out to be not what happens in strange new worlds, but that doesn't mean that strange new worlds is wrong. But it's also before we get into that. Um, you know, wow, what a time to be a, a sci-fi fan, right, guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot going on right there's now. There's a lot right now. T too much for, to keep up with, frankly, from, from my <laughs> perspective. Yeah, so we got Strange New Worlds, Orville, Obi-Wan, mm -hmm. and Strange... Stranger Things. Stranger Things is back. Strange New Worlds and Stranger Things. All the strange, strange things happening. Strange Days. And Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, if that is your poison as well. Oh my there god, go. look at all that. Mm -hmm. That's right, that came out the next day after Strange New World started. So, oh. Strange New Worlds beat the strange, you know, so that was a joke among well, it's the Trekkies. This is, it's appropriate. Strange, strange, strange worlds for strange times, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so there's a lot of genre stuff all at once that seemed to hit all at once. Which is pretty rare to see it all kind of collide like this. Yeah, I, it's interesting how it all stacked up. Like It was weird to me that they didn't release uh, the Obi-Wan series on May 4th. And I know one of the reasons they didn't is because they had Doctor Strange coming out on May 6th. But like, it's the same company doing both. Hmm. Everyone loves to post Star well, Wars memes on May they, 4th. Really they moved Obi-Wan because of Star Wars Celebration. They, yeah. they debuted that weekend. Yeah, the same weekend as the big convention. Was, I think it was the ba a bad call. Mm -hmm. It was also the anniversary, the 45th anniversary of the original of Star Wars. Of New Hope, right. Yeah. That's coming right, May 25th, that's right. So they, they, I think they went, nah, this is better synergy, you know, for Star yeah. Wars and moved it, which is fine. Like, I get it. But you're right, though. It totally ruined the big, everyone knows May 4th, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I guess it gives, you know, to no surprise, they ended up doing, they previewed the first two episodes at Celebration, even though it was only being previewed the day before it was going to hit the street anyway. But yeah. But still, you know, it's fun. You know, I think you and McGregor came out and said, you know, we're going to invite all you guys to watch the episodes with us tonight. That kind of a thing. So, <laughs> so I get it. I get it. Well, you know, as fans, we love to get what we can get early. You know, yeah, yeah. Sure, get access sure. early or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. After 24 hours, you can look down on everyone else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Once you guys see the episode, then it's we like, can talk. It's yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like so inside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You haven't seen it yet? Oh, wow, yeah. you know. Mind you, press had screeners like two weeks ago, but... Right. Pro probably, yeah. Well, 
So good times, good times to be a genre fan. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know one thing we want to do is talk more Orville now that it's been, what, three years? Crazy. Close yeah. to it, Since I would say. Since they yeah. were on the air last? Yeah. Matt, yeah. what was that you were saying before we started recording about the problem? Oh, yeah. They were trying to shoot the third season. So, so they, so, you know, everyone, of course, got totally disrupted by COVID, of course, but the Oroville particularly got it bad because uh, they were doing a style of production that they kind of, uh, you know, a few different names for, but they call it like gridding or like, um, I forget, there's a few different terms for it, but where, they decided so there are only two directors for the entire season um it's seth mcfarlane and, and uh john cassar yeah john cassar thank you um because they essentially just did all the ship shots at once then you go on location you do all the location shots and then you do you know you, you move like out your, of order completely right, you move your entire production company like where at one location at a time so you're not like setting up moving setting up moving it's like okay every scene on the bridge for the entire like 10 episode season you're knocking that out you know in the first two weeks of production okay now every show you know shot in engineering you're banging that out then you know whatever and so they did it that way but that means of course essentially everything was non-linear so when they got disrupted by covid and had to shut down there, there was no, they had a patchwork. There was nothing complete. You know, they, they had no single episode to show, right? So they just got totally screwed compared to people who shoot an episode at a time. Yeah, because they had like no no finished product. Yeah, no. nothing at all. Yeah. So tough, you know, tough. Like, I, you know, what they were doing, of course, is like in theoretically a pretty cool, like potentially cost conscious too, like from moving production, you know, around like, way to do it <laughs> just no one saw this coming you know it's like hell. Sure. so it seems like it would be so much harder on the actors but i guess they often shoot episodes out of order anyway yeah. so even if they're shooting only one episode at a time they'll still shoot you know all the bridge scenes at once and things like yeah that. yeah but you're right though i do feel like that's an extra layer of prep that you would need as an actor it's like okay now I'm going to be three episodes later, you know, like, right. yeah. Like, like where is my character? <laughs> yeah. <in this> moment? <laughs> so kudos to the actors too. For Seriously. It's a lot like, of work. Yeah. It's hard to track your character. Yeah. 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 Like what frame of mind that they're supposed to be in. And... Yeah. So I don't know exactly how, how it all worked, but it does. I know that that's the rough, you know, the rough, roughly the way it worked. So I don't know how far in advance, you know, I don't know if it was like, you know, all 10 episodes, but I think it might have been a f- the first half and the second half of the season kind of gridded like that. Hmm. So at the very least, they had to go anywhere between the first and the fifth episode. Like, where's their character? You know, right? Like, yeah, kind of thing. Anyway, so well, well, it's done now and it's coming back soon. So I know we're excited to watch it and talk about it in the podcast. Well, it's out now on Hulu. It's back today. Yeah, yeah. As of midnight last night, it's on Hulu. Oh, yeah. we're already there. How mm-hmm. you guys don't watch the whole thing already? No, I need to. A little thing yeah. called, you know, day jobs and stuff. But. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Kind, of, that okay. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I do want to. Poverty of riches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's um, let's move from Orville to Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's brought us here today. So, like I said, we're about halfway through season one. Um, I mean, what do you guys think so far? Uh, I have been mostly enjoying it, I have to say. Um, <clears throat> you, you, where, how your enjoyment level will definitely depend on exactly how strict a canonista <laughs> you are, let's say. Yeah. Um, we were warned, I mean, to be fair, we were very much warned by the showrunners that they were going to find the little cracks and crevices and work through them and poke around and make little tiny you know try to make exceptions where it made sense and you know so okay (laughs) you you have to know that and just kind of accept that going into it that's the one thing i would disclaim (laughs) sure yeah well it's it seems like overall reaction has been pretty positive yeah if you look it's quite positive yeah Mm -hmm. i think i think just the episodic nature like 
makes people feel more comfortable. Oh, Absolutely. totally. Oh, people no, really. like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, the, the actors, which we, we know, I mean, we're always saying that the actors in the modern Trek shows are not the problems with the shows. They're, no, they're great. fantastic. Yeah. And just, just the same. Everybody's great. I mean, uh, they're all very likable. They're all great in their roles. Like uh, the 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 thing that I've liked about the more episodic nature is you get to go back to the oh this one's kind of a number one episode oh this one's like an Ahura episode oh you know mm-hmm, instead mm-hmm. of this like we're slogging through fifteen dense like you know serialized arcs that may or may not ever pay off yeah, yeah. may not go anywhere at all yeah mm-hmm. well I mean yeah like let's 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 all be a little bit honest here we know that this group of writers from what we've seen in the the other series prior to strange new worlds have had trouble putting together a season long arc yeah mm-hmm. it's never been Definitely. cohesive and it always seems to kind of be rushed and fall apart a little bit at the end while right. simultaneously seeming pretty convinced that they're great at that <laughs> yes that too they sometimes really do think they've nailed it which is concerning <laughs> yeah and then, um, you know and, then, <laughs> and then, you remember not here to just crap on on the other series but th- yeah. i think this is a pretty widely held opinion in the trek fandom yeah, is yeah. that mm-hmm. is that there is no there hasn't been a good cohesiveness to these season long arcs and they, and they tend to become cluttered and and rushed at the end so i agree it, i think that's generally accepted yeah so i think when you're saying that like the episodic nature of this like that alone just gives them i don't want to say gives them a crutch but it gives them a better sort of playground to play in it gives them a box that they can play in that they're not going to get out of control right. and they yeah, can tell a tight little story with the beginning yeah. a middle and an end exactly and and if they if that particular story doesn't go quite the way they want to all right there's a new one a completely new one next week right. exactly yeah. they don't right. exactly they don't have to carry on that that thread that they dropped along the way mm-hmm. and right. i think it makes it easier for people to uh, get a taste of it because, like, I know I should watch The Expanse, but I don't want to sit down and watch, like, all of it. I would like to watch, oh, what's the, <laughs> yeah. what are the three best episodes and just start yeah. there. But you yeah. can't do that. But you yeah. can't. And yeah. I do think that that's going to be a problem as we go further and further into the streaming era with serialized stuff. Like, it's going to be hard to go back and, like, because it's going to require a commitment. If you want to, if you're, if you missed something, like Jared is saying, The Expanse. If you want to, if you miss it when it initially runs, and then you want to backtrack, yeah, it's, you're looking at a, like a multi-season commitment just to get a sense of what the show is. Yeah, or oh, at yeah. least certainly one season commitment. Like, so you're committed to ten to fifteen hours to get a sense of whether the show is any good or not. And oh yeah, I think that's, that's... going to be a problem as time goes on. Yeah, I agree. I think I think as it is, I think standalone is starting to make more of a comeback anyway. <clears throat> it does seem to be actually, yeah, yeah. Well, and and like like we've talked about. You know, I really think that <clears throat> season four of Enterprise kind of hit on the right what's what's right for Star Trek. Not not necessarily all other genre stuff, but I think the right formula for Star Trek, which is that you can do sort of three, maybe you know they they got as high as almost four parts at one point, but a two three part arc, and then you wrap it up. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with, you know, <laughs> amortizing costs on the <laughs> on the production uh-huh. side over a couple episodes, and also writing a, a an interesting two parter or a three parter. Right, but like, right. But you don't need to go crazy where like you think you have to have, you know, a giant season long mystery box, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and to be fair to Star Trek and to this production group, a lot of shows have this problem now. Oh yeah, they're they're. I mean. Because the problem is, is that they're given episode orders. So, yep. for instance, Picard had a ten episode season. Yep, and they didn't have ten episodes worth of story. Nope, they probably had five or six hours. No, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to be. I, mean, I, I know, no, well, I just you're so hitting it on the head. I'm just, no, one hundred percent real. That's, like, how many that's other, so many of these series. It's not yeah, like how many you feel like shows are like that. How yes, many, absolutely. You know, yeah, a lot yeah. of these. Yeah, like I said, this is not a, a particularly a Star Trek problem, and it's like you have to. You would hope that they would be able to come up with the story before they had to fill the episode order, but that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. No. You say, okay, you got ten episodes model. and you got to fill it up. Well, the, you look. You know what though? Point, right? You know what? You know what's good? Obi Wan is six episodes. Yep, and that's it. It's a, it's a limited series. That's it. So we yeah. get a taste of his life, and that's it. That's it. So mm-hmm. it's like I feel like that's a lot of these serialized shows do not need to run ten plus hours. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Unless you have the most amazing thing mapped out way in advance and, and can hold interest. Otherwise, it's like you just you could tell there's these episodes where they're basically just treading water. Well, and not everything has to be that, you know, not everything has to be Game of Thrones and they need to stop trying to make everything. Right. Well, that's the other thing yeah. people have to learn. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There's absolutely. a lesson that I think is slow. Like you were saying, I think it's slowly being slowly being learned like that. Well, it's <laughs> interesting. It that way. Like from, you know, and I'm, I'm not a TV exec, obviously, but you'd think that from their a TV exec's perspective, that it would be a lesson that has long been learned that like, like. They, they, do they really not know the Star Trek franchise well enough, even from a business standpoint, to take a look back and see how much, um, how often people were streaming episodes of The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine when it was on Netflix? Just well, and they do that too. Yeah. They know That's that. So, yeah. I mean, they're by making a, a serialized thing, it's like Brian was pointing out, it's hard. It's, it's the rewatchability drops because you have to have this big commitment. No one's going to have that on in the background these things you have to play, pay really close attention to for 10 straight hours mm-hmm. where I, I put an episode, a random episode of next generation on all the time. Right. Of course. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And it's, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a grab and go kind of a thing, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and you don't need multi-hour commitment to, to be told the story. It's over in one hour. Yeah. I, I think I've said this to you guys before, but that's why I've never been able to go back and rewatch Battlestar Galactica is because I can't just grab one episode and have it on while I'm eating dinner. Yeah. Yeah, you have yeah, to commit to the whole thing. It would be way too serialized. Yeah. Yep. And you maybe just want to watch one episode like uh-huh. in a month. Yep. Or you maybe want to sit there, oh, tonight I want to watch an episode of Star Trek. Not, I'm going to spend the next three weeks watching Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. You know, you might, because like that commitment, and you might just, today I'm going to watch Battlestar Galactica. Oh, but I would have to start at the beginning and work my way through, so never mm-hmm. mind. Sometimes you just want a snack and not a three-course meal. There Boom. Booyah. So I think, so I think, Worlds is finally tapas. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're finding that balance because you know, as they, as the showrunners like to say, like these sort of individual, you know, stories and episodes are episodic. But of course, unlike you know, sort of some of the Verminator track where the reset button was uh, ridiculous, you know, <laughs> very so strong. There is there is Indeed. no reset button for the lessons learned and the and the and the character growth. Thankfully. So I characters. Would, I mean, that was you know, true in TNG, I think, too. Oh, I agree. I think it's the later Vermeer shows that almost got too ridiculously resetty. Interesting. Okay. Which is poor, poor Voyagers is the one that I and I and I don't. Oh, think completely. That, that's yeah. not their fault. That that from what I understand, that's like UPN was like, no, people need to be able to drop into this show. Yeah. At any point in time, so too bad, reset it, and they're like, all right, okay, we got to yeah. write this reset button, you know. I mean, because doing doing the uh, year of hell, Brandon Braga had to fight like hell to get yeah. that done. Wow! And he wanted and he wanted the whole season, which would have been amazing. That's what the whole second season should have been. That right. would have been so cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, awesome. it maybe it wouldn't have sustained for a whole season. Yeah, but to give se- season, at least several episodes I mean, to yeah. really like explore it would have been really cool. Yeah, see, and exactly. that's and that's why Ronald D. Moore made Battlestar Galactica because yeah. that's what he wanted Voyager to have been. Yeah, he saw where that was going and <laughs> went on to his own thing. Bye. Yeah. Smartly, yeah. So anyway, yeah, Strange New Worlds, other, uh, generally striking a good balance about watchability and I would say rewatchability. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think so. I'm really, I'm enjoying it. I agree with most of your sentiments, Matt. There are still, there are little things, little details mm-hmm. that still bother me, things that feel like they like it's like, oh, you were so close. You were so close <laughs> yes, to being a really yes. good episode and then you just screwed up this little thing. Um, so there's some some of that for me. So I'm still not like and you know, I've been burned in the past, so I'm not ready to give my heart completely freely to the strange new world. <laughs> um, absolutely. That's wise, I would say. So I'm still <laughs> cautious. I'm just very, yeah. very guarded, but yeah. I, ha- I will say it has it. it's it has potential and it has there are a lot of things that I see that I really really like. Yes. Yeah. So with that in mind, should we jump into talking about Let's. our buds on the t- on the TOS crew? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So this was you know I mentioned the 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 genesis of this podcast episode, but 
Um, also, this is we're sort of basing this off of an article um, that I spearheaded back in 2017, again, before Discovery came on the air. So we're going to use that article as an outline. And I really recommend that um, those of you listening to this go back and check that out on trekmovie.com. It's called Where Were the TOS Crew During the Events of Star Trek Discovery? Very straight mm-hmm. to the point uh, headline mm-hmm. there. Um, so we're going to adjust this for anything that we've learned from Strange New World. Just not that much, though. Um, and adding three years to this timeline. Right, so, so why don't we just start with... 2259. That's right. So 2259 is where we're set in Strange New Worlds. Um, let's start with our old boy, James Kirk. Yes, where is Jimmy? Hmm. He is should be on the Farragut, I believe. Yeah, he should be. That's right. He should be a lieutenant on the Farragut under Captain Garavik. So this is interesting because we don't know any anything yet, but we know season two, Mr. James T. Kirk does show up in Strange New World. So we have to preserve anything until we see what happens. But it will be interesting because he should be a lieutenant. <laughs> He should also be super serious and focused. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the younger version of Jim Kirk. He's the he's not far removed from the walking stack of books, right? That we yeah, yeah that as, Kirk, we as, heard about. As Kirk yeah. as Kirk referred to himself, he was absolutely grim. That's right. So <laughs> he shouldn't be so far removed from that, you know, really serious upperclassman, you know, that we heard heard about. An so, overachiever type. Overachiever, yeah. 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 You know, and I hope this is something that, since we do see him, I guess, I haven't quite accepted that we're going to see him yet because I wish that we wouldn't. But <laughs> yeah. since they're going to bring him in next season, I really hope that that, what you guys are talking about now is something they pay attention to because the if you ask most, even even like pretty big fans of Star Trek to describe him, they'd be like, oh, like ladies man. Like they made him throw out the word womanizer, like rule breaker. Well, it's like that's they- not... They don't, know yeah. they don't know shit about the character. So, that yeah. well, right. yeah. so ever since that came out, I've come up with a list of like 12 instances where the franchise talks about the importance of following rules, right? That mm-hmm. we could do our own episode on. And mm, and like the, 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 the example I've been thinking of particularly is when General Chang says in Undiscovered Country that Captain Kirk has disregarded the chain of command whenever it suited him. He wasn't telling the truth. He was trying to character assassinate Jim Kirk. Mm. That's not an accurate summary of the way he conducted his career, right? But that's plugged into people's brain. And, um, you know, the Kelvin verse didn't help. Oh, the Kelvin verse made it that, much worse. That unfortunately, yeah, did nothing yeah. about that. And so I, I, that's something I would, love, I would love to get into at some point. Yeah, the, 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 the Kelvin verse bought into like the the passing stereotype of yes of the character. Well, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, heck, in, in you know, in 09, he he isn't a frat because he's a dropout, but like he's essentially a walking frat boy. Yeah, in the beginning, exactly. in the beginning, you know. Yeah, <clears throat> they do thankfully grow, and just as an aside, I do like that he. By the time we get to Star Trek Beyond, he's a much better person. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But it, that's still like that's not where he started, and that's not what he's like in the Prime Universe at all. You know, no. So. And that's why, okay, and we're kind of digressing here, why the tapestry episode is so important is to show that Picard was more serious as an old man and more and loosened up. Loose and more devil may care as a young man, and Kirk was the opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I do hope is if they're going to, if they're going to use him, that first of all, they don't buy into that Kelvin verse stereotype, number one. And number two, if you're going to show him, like we were discussing, like you want to show him as this extremely driven, you know, hardworking. Yeah, very serious. Young officer. Yeah, like like Over um, Achiever, Commander like Shelby yeah. in in Best of Both right, Worlds. Right. Yeah. She's like, yeah. you guys go to bed. I'm going to stay up with the robot and get things done. Right. Hundred percent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, you know, she, you know who he should kind of like, uh, almost kind of conflict with a little bit in that way is number one. You know, number one, Una is a very driven, matter of fact second in command hmm. and actually you would think then the very serious younger jim kirk might actually kind of go up against her if they ever worked together right like because it'd be because, like trying to outperform each yeah other. because he right, exactly he would be just as on top of everything try to be just as on top as everything as uno is and it'd be interesting they might end up sort of competing so anyway that 
you know, it goes back to that very serious kind of aspect that number one has because, well, she has to because <laughs> of the characterizations. And then, yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's okay. That's a character that it's, I think it's really fun. Um, that That's a really fun place for them to be able to play. Like Matt, you're talking about the cracks and the crevices and canon and them sort of exploiting those and, and making new stories. And I think that's a good example of a character that we know was there that, we didn't know anything about really. Yeah. Otherwise we knew nothing. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, I think it's cool what they've, they've really made her out of nothing and that's, that's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't we, we can talk about Spock, but, <laughs> but we know where he no is. Point, really. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there, I'm trying to think though, is it even like, is there anything, is there anything that, that we thought would be a certain way that isn't, I mean, I don't think so. It's just that he's on the Enterprise working under Pike at this point, basically. Yeah, that's all we know, really. It's it's interesting. I'm reading over, you know, I have this article up that I'm talking about that we're using as a notes here. And we this is before Discovery ever came out. There's a paragraph right here that says, It would not adhere to canon, however, if Spock and Sarek were to share a scene. Right. When Spock was young, Sarek grew for a career in science, blah, blah, blah. Spock joined Starfleet in 2250. He did so against his father's explicit desires. Disagreement caused a rift between father and son that lasted 18 years until 2268 in TOS's journey to Babel. So we know that didn't go that yeah, way. They got loosey goosey with that. Quite. Yeah. But is this part of the whole wink, wink, pinky swear that we've never heard about <laughs> Michael Burnham? So we're also going to pretend yeah, that the Armin Tanzarian effect. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of hope so that they just run with that and Spock now just never talks about it. Certainly hasn't come up in the first five episodes, thankfully. So I, I love this that we just, it, it's just interesting how we knew you know nothing about Discovery at the time. And um, Spock's father, Sarek, and his adoptive sister, Michael Burnham, will both feature heavily in the events of Discovery. It would not be unusual for Spock to at least be mentioned by name. <laughs> of course we know. Well, that, he was was. A, that was an understatement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. All right. Well, that's Spock. Not too much to say about him because he's hanging out with us in the present time of 2259. Um, but how about Mr. Leonard Bones McCoy, the third of the trifecta? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do not know much at all about what Leonard McCoy was doing. He was probably married at the time. Yeah. Um, he would have been 32 years old. Yeah. He, I mean, it's not officially in the canon, I don't believe, but he was married and had a daughter and was a recent divorcee, which is alluded to in 09. Yeah, yeah. The wife right. took it, uh, everything but his bones. But his bones. Boom, boom. Um, so, I mean, I guess you could say that he's uh, maybe on a ground assignment somewhere on yeah. Earth, maybe. Yeah, he's well, definitely practicing medicine. We know yeah. that. And we know at some point he's ag- he actually visits Capella for, you know, from Friday's Child just before. Right. Joining the, on the Enterprise, Enterprise right? Yeah, so maybe he's on a field, you know, field work somewhere. We don't know. He's a Starfleet officer, clearly, but like maybe just yeah, more doing more typically more ground assignments. Mm-hmm. But we don't know much more than that. like like That's Matt says. Yeah, yep. it, the only thing we have is Friday's Child. Yep. So, so that's that could probably go somewhere with that. Although you can't go too far with it because McCoy is not on the Enterprise during where no man has gone before. I mean, we're not even sure he's in Starfleet. We know he has a medical license. He got around 2253. So he's had his medical license for about six years at this yeah. point. Um, he's been developing surgical procedures and doing all kinds of cool stuff like that. But we don't even know if he's in Starfleet, right? No, technically he doesn't have to be. Typically, I think historically medical officers are granted a certain exemption in military service in terms of right. their training. And rank, yeah. like he wouldn't have had to start from the beginning. Yeah, because he's a lieutenant commander, which means he probably got an on, you know honorary kind of lieutenant it's, on the way in or something. It, which makes sense. Same with, oh, it's it does, the same with yeah. Deanna. She went to uh, psychology school on Beta Z, not at Starfleet. Academy. Right, they didn't go to command. Yeah, they, didn't yeah. Go, they weren't right. on a command track. So Right, right. so right. they got, yeah. So there you go. He maybe is, he maybe is the lieutenant or something somewhere. So I guess right. the point is it's unlikely we that the Enterprise would encounter him. Doesn't yeah, seem it doesn't, likely. It doesn't seem likely. I mean, it's it's possible. Look, it's also possible that you can make an argument that 
Kirk and he and McCoy had served together. They're clearly old friends, and like, to the point where, like, McCoy just, as we've all seen many times, gets right in Kirk's face. Oh yeah, when he's stepping out of line. So you have to. They, somewhere in their history, they had a long bonding experience. Yeah. Seems like it. So you have to think they served together at some point. Maybe when they Kirk was Farragut. Or, or maybe when Kirk was at the academy and they got to yeah. know each other. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Something. And then, um, yeah, it's certainly like we know McCoy at least is not <laughs> currently in the shift, like in the rotation during where no man has gone before. It's a generic Western doctor. I can't think of yeah. somebody's ever Fix. Kind of Western. Paul Fix. Yeah. I could try to think of the character's name though, right? Mark Piper. There you go. <laughs> and that's, and that's without him even trying folks. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny is I got Paul Fix in my brain and I'm like, nope, I know that's the, I know that's the actor, not the character. And yeah. Like, Paul Fix was in a ton. Like Matt said, there's a He's ton everywhere. of Westerns back in yeah. the fifties and sixties. Yeah. So at least, at least at that point in time, we don't think McCoy was, you know, on the enterprise or whatever. So, and also really they have, they have a, uh, they've done a great job making uh something from almost nothing which is uh the two times we saw mbenga later they had mm-hmm. fleshed out dr mbenga quite a bit and i really like him on the show so yes dr mbenga right so there's really no reason to have you know mccoy show up right <laughs> yeah other which than fine that's fine yeah which is great like don't do it <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean they won't but they and we yeah. know it so <laughs> we can make our predictions now and watch them all be well, we always give them, but we always is, give them the benefit of the doubt, yeah. guys. We always do. Well, how long is the show going to run, right? By season five, you know, maybe they're going to have to start playing around with these people appearing, but hopefully not right away. How about our Mister Scotty Scott, Mon- Montgomery Scott? Yeah, we don't know much about his life either, unfortunately. We know no. he's in Starfleet as an engineer. Yep, and we know he is thirty-seven years old. Born in twenty two twenty two. Okay. So twenty twos. He began his engineering career in Starfleet in twenty two forty one, where he would remain for the next fifty one years. But we don't know much about his whereabouts before he joined the Enterprise crew as the the ship's engineer. I, I feel like, and I could be misremembering, there is an allusion to him working on a freighter at one point. Yeah, he mentions that he's worked on mm-hmm. all kinds of ships, he's but we just on don't a know total when. Of eleven. Yeah, we don't know ships. when. You know, or whatever. I would not be surprised if we see him. He also had a brief stint as an engineering advisor to a freight line connecting Denova Colony and outlying asteroids. Huh. Yeah. Thank was you, that, Memory Alpha. Was that from, <laughs> I, I take it that's from Operation Annihilate. It must be, yeah. So, yeah, I suppose he could show up for sure. Yeah, it would seem like at some point they're going to have to do the handoff there. Because it seems clear when you watch the original series that Scotty's been on the Enterprise for a while. He's clearly bothered with the ship. So, <laughs> True. Well, I don't know. Again, they've done a great job with a totally new character, Hammer, the mm-hmm. chief engineer. Enar. Yeah, I like that they created a, a new character, a new race, the whole thing. I think that's great. Well, he's not a new race, technically. Enterprise did that. Right? Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. You're right. Absolutely right. But we don't know much about them, so he's he's a pretty new like yeah good it's good no it's 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 good they they have some really great scenes um in the first five episodes with him um he and uhura get some really good scenes in was that the fourth episode and so yeah we don't necessarily need scotty to come in yet that's you know oh that's for sure yeah just like bones it's like yeah, we don't need yeah. him there. No, but I could see Scotty coming in at some point, even if it's not oh, sure. in a central role, simply because of his nature of his relationship yeah. with the Enterprise itself. Yeah, you could see him showing up on like a crew rotation. You know, like oh, this is a new you know junior engineer, or right? Something. Right, junior, something like that. He's not even that. Yeah, he's not. He... No, he wouldn't be junior. But this is part of like your staff, you know, or something. Staff engineer. Yeah, yeah, I'd be shocked if we don't see Scotty at some point. So that's kind of we. That's all we really know about. That's all we know is about Scotty. Yeah, about Scotty. Well, Uhura, on the other hand, Uhura, on the other hand, <laughs> which we didn't know anything about, so they really were able to flush out. Yeah, there was very trying. There's very little. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's pretty. It's actually interesting how this tracks pretty closely, right? Because we said she was seventeen three years three years ago with Discovery, so she'd be nineteen. She's a cadet. You're twenty. 
Yeah, or 20. Sorry, 20-ish. We don't know for sure, yeah. Yeah, so she's about 20, let's say, and she's a cadet, probably. And guess what? That's what they did with her. So, hey, go us. (laughs) Yeah, the the only really fact we were able to find for this article um, is that, yeah, her birth date, according to the Star Trek encyclopedia, was 2239. So make her, let's see, did I do that math right? Yeah, so she would be about 20 years old. Um, but that's of course not necessarily canon. Um, but then there's a, there is a line, a single line of dialogue in Star Trek the three, the search for Spock, which is set in 2285 where a Starfleet, uh, Lieutenant junior grade known as Mr. Adventure, Mr. Adventure calls mm-hmm. Uhura a quote, 20 year space veteran. So this has led to some speculation that Uhura was not in Starfleet until what would have been 2265, 20 years before that yeah so that's somebody who thinks they, they I, don't I, round you know? so that, I don't know that may I have been it. fake news coming from mr adventure yeah that mr yeah I, I don't know if i would take mr adventure as a reliable source <laughs> well, also yeah. like if he's just kind of rounding like sure you know, you know, it could have been 18 right. it could absolutely have been yeah because you know 20 20 ish would be about right so he could have been wrong he i think he was wrong <laughs> that because cause that would that would mean a horror is like only 40 in the search for spock and she's not she's older than that well, she could have been older when she joined Starfleet. It just sure. means she hadn't been in space doing yeah. Starfleet yeah. stuff until twenty two sixty. Well, except for now, we know she was quite young, so that doesn't quite work anymore. Do they, do they call her cadet? Yeah, and, she's a cadet. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's, she's on you... she's on like uh, senior year like rotation basically okay. through. Because I've told I've told you guys my line from two thousand nine that it like typifies everything that's wrong with the Kelvin verse. About oh, Uhura. when they goof up her rank, yeah. When they when he says Lieutenant Uhura is unmatched in xenolinguistics, right? Because her rank is not lieutenant; it should be cadet, right? Yep. And there's nothing ever about Uhura that indicates she's quote unmatched in xenolinguistics, right? They just do that because they crank everything up to eleven in that in the Calvin verse, yeah, without do. double checking that um, there's no way she could be a lieutenant. But her name is Lieutenant Uhura, right? So they, they first name <laughs> lieutenant yeah, yeah um no they're actually uh, to, to stranger world's credit they're not doing dumb things like that too much oh she, well done. She, she is very much like a, 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 a cadet you know, a, yes a cadet and she does very much have a natural ability for languages but no one's saying it's you know unmatched sure well, does first, call her a prodigy right the, yeah point. the very yeah. first introduction to her is oh the prodigy and i, but, I was like no yeah. i don't know i yeah. didn't like that Ru- that much R- russian whiz kid yeah like she's so, not I mean, everyone has to be not everyone they, has to be a prodigy yeah no. so, oh, so but thankfully they haven't like continued to say that you know like oh who was our prodigy they basically mention it once because also like what it like if I let's say I were like a prodigy, right, in in the linguistics or what have you, and I'm a young person on this rotation on this crew, and the first thing that my boss says to me is, "Oh, the prodigy," <laughs> like yeah. I, it wouldn't feel good. No, yeah, no it's not awesome. It was like you're only here because you're some weird freak. Well, you, you know, yeah, well, you know, yeah, and right. she, I mean, that is a theme of that episode, even that she's wondering what her place is. Like, yeah, and uh, I know that's not how it was meant to come across, and that's yeah. certainly, I'm sure. Well, and especially because Pike, Pike, Pike is it, so damn nice about it, you you can't be offended. I just I just didn't like the line. I don't know, you yeah. know, growing up as one of the quote unquote smart kids. Oh, like, sure. oh, the, oh, this you must be really smart. You must be, yeah. That's not a compliment usually. But handsome Manson it. delivers it in such a way that how can you? Yeah, about it? I guess just saying <laughs> stuff like that. It's still yeah. better than the way. Than the way Worf and Data refer to Wesley Alter season one the simply boy. as the boy. Oh my goodness, yes. What a terrible <laughs> way to treat. Yes. Or in, isn't it Lights of Zatar where they keep saying the girl? The girl yeah. to a full grown like lieutenant woman. Woman is a lieutenant. Written yeah. by yeah. a woman, no less. Yeah, that's so messed up. That's right. Oh. Sherry Lewis wrote that. Well, Lamb Chop, Sherry Lewis. Lamb, yeah. Lamb Chop R- herself. Really? Yes. Sherry Lewis. Oh my god! Isn't that weird? Well, yeah. third season of TOS, things get anything. Weird. Yeah, anything goes. <laughs> but and I, Roald Dahl wrote, "You only live twice." That's right. That's right. It's weird. Things get weird, man. Yep. <laughs> um, I do want to go back to what what Kayla said. I don't like the prodigy thing. Yeah. Gene put it best. Human beings are smart and they work hard. Yep. Yeah. Like not everybody has to be. Like this anointed, like Kirk in, in the Kelvin you. timeline is just like this. He's got this incredible destiny. Fuck that bullshit. Yeah, yeah <laughs> agreed. Seriously, Jim Kirk. People, that's Jim why they're Kirk great. Is a farm right. boy from Iowa who had plenty of smarts 
and a great deal of drive and became the captain of the Starship Enterprise. It's right. not because he was, you know, Luke Skywalker. Uh-huh. Like it's just or, I or hate Mozart. I, you're and you're robbing the character of like a, a real journey, I think, too, when you do that kind of thing. And of their own agency. Yeah. It's like, no, Uhura is very so, gifted linguist. Yeah, that's what it is. And so far, that's about as far as they've got, gone, aside from the call out of calling her that. Thankfully, they haven't gone. Yeah, it's crazy. true. They haven't gone back to that, which, I, but they, they, it was unfortunate that was the very first, that was the introduction of her was, oh, the prodigy. Yeah. Well, they've rolled it back. That's good. But they've rolled it back. They have. So I don't want to complain too much. It was one single line of dialogue, but right. I thank yeah. you for saying that, Brian, because it was nice to know that I'm not alone in that. Well, here's perhaps the most point of bone of contention with a with a character, which is one nurse Christine Chapel, because mm-hmm. we actually did know a little bit about her backstory, just a yes. little, but enough to make this quite the fudge, I would say, in canon. Yeah, which, she's not supposed to be on the Enterprise. She shouldn't be on the Enterprise. No. Let's just say it. Yeah, she shouldn't be there. Uh, now, I got to tell you, do I care? Frankly, no, I don't care that this because Christine Chapel was not a. I mean, is not a very interesting character. No, under herself, agreed. So I, I will say that I'm. I kind of it's like okay, I'll allow it. You know, in my own, you know, court of canon, head canon. You know, it's like I'll allow it because this version of Chapel. Well, the only the only problem I do have is she's so different. She's not Chapel. Like they should have just called her somebody. Yeah, they should have called. I agree. I had this. I had this conversation with somebody on Twitter. I was just like, "Make just create a new character. You want to create a more modern nurse character? By all means, please, please do so. Please do so." Because it is not Christine. That is not Christine Chapel. It doesn't in no way is that Christine Chapel. No, it in no way resembles her. Which like is you know, like I said, in and of itself, it's fine. I actually really like this character. Like whoever she is, whether she's Christine Chapel or whatever you want to call her, and so that's cool. That's great. But it's just kind of weird that she has no personality traits like in common at all with like you know, Lisa. I actually really dislike the character. And I didn't like her at first, but I started to. The well, I don't know if it's because I'm so annoyed that they're calling her Christian. <laughs> maybe, maybe it yeah. is. Yeah, but maybe. I, I really dislike the character of him. She's on screen. I'm like, get out of here. So in theory, to go back to <laughs> to go back to what we're supposed to have kind of figured out from TOS, right? She in theory was probably actually a little bit older than they have her in Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. It was likely that she was already like um, had been through med school. We know, of course, that she wanted to do research with Roger Corby, her mm-hmm. that who eventually became her fiance. Yeah, she married one of her professors. Gross, but anyway. Um, that's such a 60s trope were they ever married like, or just engaged well f- engaged yeah engaged, yeah. engaged. Um, she got engaged to her professor Roger Corby and but see that's the thing is like in theory right about now she's still doing research with him yeah she should be with him because they yeah. he they got engaged and then never got the chance to be married because Corby disappeared yep. during an expedition in 2261 so that's right. only two years from so now it's a couple of years out yeah so they're probably going to get most people are engaged for what about a year so it's probably in a year's time she would be getting engaged to, to dr corby sure so either she's engaged or about to be engaged to him all that so you know we basically just have to throw all this out because that's not it and unfortunately like they're pretty explicit right correct me if i'm wrong but isn't she pretty explicit in saying that's one of the reasons why she joined the enterprise yeah, yeah she gave up on her research career yeah. Right. And join Starfleet, hoping to that go she look might for Roger to go look for him. Be reunited yeah. with Corby. Yeah. yeah. So, so the one thing that they did do is is this version of Chapel does come from a research background. They do say it's hand waving, but they do say she's on board on loan from a prestigious research program. So they sort of like do it, you know, a little lip service to that part of it, and then that's about it. Which is like, okay, whatever, but still. There you I go. just wish they'd just not use her name. Just use someone else, like you said. Sure. It's okay to come up with something new. It is. It very, it, it very is. much is. Not everything has to be blue milk. <laughs> not a, that's right. <laughs> but, oh well. Uh, in a way, because she was such a milk toast, like, third kind of string character, I almost don't care, to be honest with <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I know people, there are people who are big Chapel fans, but she just wasn't that great, you know. 
Mm. In my mind. Well, and in terms of prominence on the original series in the first season, uh, Yeoman Rand is uh, yeah. the yeah. Um, queen bee on the on the ship. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you look at the you look at the marketing material from the time, and it's Kirk, Spock, and and Janice. Yep, Yep. sure is. Well, they wanted the ladies to watch the show. Yeah, so sure. Ladies or the gents? Both. I guess both. (laughs) Anyway, who who's next? Hikaru Sulu. Yeah, Hikaru Sulu. Ah, yes. We know nothing. We basically know nothing. We don't nothing. even know his age to within 10 years. He's probably um, like somewhere between 18 and 28. He, he is old. probably roughly the same age as Uhura, give or take a year. You know? Yeah, he's in that ballpark. Yeah, he is. The only thing we know about Sulu at this point in his life is that he was born in San Francisco. That's yeah. literally it. Yeah, that's really all we know. That's all we know, really. Sorry, sorry, George and Walter. You guys really didn't get any like biographies like for your characters. It's true. In those days, really nobody didn't. cared. We know that know. Chekhov doesn't have a brother. Haha, <laughs> right. There is no such person as Piotr. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Sulu's, pro- exactly. Sulu's probably in the academy. Yeah, he or probably just, Or just out of the academy at this yeah. point. So ostensibly, if they're going to have, say, for example, Uhura is rotating through on her like academy field work. Ostensibly, a young Sulu could show up as a we pilot at some point. It's just small universe. They shouldn't syndrome. do it. We don't oh, need shouldn't everyone do it. to appear. Oh, yeah. I agree. They shouldn't do it, but they they could. You know. So yeah, this this yeah. Star Trek currently has a pretty terminal case of small universe syndrome. But you know who <laughs> who, who they'd be insane to have rotate through is one Pavel Chekhov because he's like thirteen. Yeah, he's, he's in like, like he's yeah. probably in high school. He's yeah. in or middle school even. He might not even be in high school yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that guy's in middle school. Wait, so wait, wait, oh, we so do what? know his age, though, actually. He was born in 2245, so he would be 14. Right. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so there we go. No. 14 years old. <laughs> right. He can't yeah, freshman, know. Freshman in high school, um, and he was probably living in Russia. Right. So no. No way. Because that guy show up. No, and no, nor do we want him to. Honestly. Oh no, there's a there's a new field trip. He won a contest. Oh my and, gosh, uh, I know. Exactly. <laughs> He's part of their gifted and talented program, so we get some exactly. of course. Yeah. yeah, everybody's course. very gifted yeah. and talented. Yeah, because he's a prodigy. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, no, that's you... the Kelvin Universe version, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, go back to that. Yeah. yeah. But he, he, Chekhov, as a young officer in the show, was like a very you know zealous, ambitious young officer. From, yeah, from the very beginning. I mean, they yeah, kind of, who also they kind in the of middle softened, of the apple, rather than him focusing up. on the mission, is trying to bang his girlfriend. Yes, he does. Oh, yeah, that's like yeah, that's true. That's very creepy. The way yeah, the apple is such a weird episode. It's such a weird episode. <laughs> it's so weird. Don't worry, you all will just figure it out. It's such <laughs> you know, a at the end. I think that yeah. is. I think that's the episode that has the record for the most red shirt deaths. Most red shirts. So. Yep. They explode. They get hit by lightning. They hit by lightning. All sorts of stuff happens to them. Yeah. It actually. I also think it's the first female red shirt. It actually makes the show a lot of fun to watch because of the creative ways they just, <laughs> just whack start these the guys. head count, the red shirt count. Right. You can do a drinking game watching the apple. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun! <laughs> Drink every time a red shirt buys it. You can do like apple pucker shots or something. <laughs> to go with the apple, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yes, dude. No, no. Please, no. This should not. This should not be. This should not be possible to have. Pavel check option. Yeah, it really yeah. should. Yeah, young young Pavel, test. young Pavel's still with mommy and daddy. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I think he's twenty two, right? In in uh, Who Mourns for Adonais? Because they make a joke about it. Yeah, that sounds hmm. right. That they because he's pretty young. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like, the youngest. He by want, far of the Yeah, group. like because I think he wants to go talk. Chuck of volunteers to go talk to Carolyn Palamas, and oh, that's right. And Kirk goes, that. "How old are you?" And he goes. Twenty-two, yeah. and Kirk goes. I think I'll handle it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um. Do we have anybody else that we really need to focus? I think that's it, right? That's everyone on the list. I don't know if there's anyone else that's worth bringing up that we haven't mentained. I mean, we we, we well, just mentioned Janice cast, Rand, but I don't know if we we don't know nothing about Janice. Yeah. We know nothing about her. Yeah. So. Um, and she's going to be a yeoman, so she's probably very young too. Yep. She's probably right in that. Similar to Chekhov's age, probably. Yeah, she's probably in the Chekhov. Right around, maybe a little yeah. older. Maybe a little yeah. older. Because I think Grace Lee Whitney was playing someone who was younger than her. Sure. Because mm-hmm. yeomans, I think, typically are junior officers, you know, at the early part of their careers. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, if we want to go a little out outside the ballpark, we could talk about some of the people from the cage for a second. Just just for sure. fun. The only reason why I say that is because uh, there's one that is a really cool, I think, cool nod to a pre-cage character. So, Mary Lou? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. We don't know if that horse that Pike was riding was Tango or Mary Lou. Or, or a third option. <laughs> or a third horse, yeah. Um, no, that's a, that's hilarious. Thank you for bringing that back. <laughs> um, but I was going to say, so Erica Ortegas... Right. The cool, you know, fast talking navigator who we all like, you know, everybody likes, is an homage to who was there was going to be an Ortegas who eventually became Jose Tyler. Right. In the Jose cage. Tyler. Right. But the original one of the original pitch documents for, you know, Star Trek is that pitch document, that very famous pitch document, pre cage had him Jose Ortegas. And so Oh, interesting. They they very purposefully, and in fact, Akiva Goldsman has even uh, confirmed this on Twitter, which it was pretty obvious, but of course, you know, truckies prove it. And so Akiva was like, yeah. yeah, yeah, we use that as an homage. Like, yes, that's an homage to Jose Ortegas. Like, so there you nice go. I think that's cut. cool. Yeah, I like that's, it. That's the kind of canon mining I'm here for. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because like, kudos to that, because you didn't need to destroy something else. Right. Like this is a non-character that didn't doesn't exist really. It was a previous version of a character. So right. great, use it. You know, use that. So I thought that was awesome. Um, yeah, that that totally works. It's totally. Speaking valid. of so, yeomans, we have no idea what yeoman Colt is up to right. <laughs> from the cage because this is a few years after that. Right. But yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't really don't know much about the rest of Pike's crew from no. the cage. Um, and then an interesting like potential crossover this might be the same character is they have transporter operator kyle is in strange mm. new worlds right but mm-hmm. he is ve- he's very young so i don't know if that's really supposed to be you know john winston's character um or not but because it just seems like they like the name and they made a transport operator named kyle and they're like this is cool but it's a nice little like kind of nod in the naming of the character anyway mm-hmm well, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Kirk's brother. Oh God! All right, we do have to say this. I try to. Do we have this. to? Yeah. This this is something that somebody thought they were very clever to do in the in the first episode of Strange New Worlds. The cheap trick. Pike makes an, a reference to Lieutenant Kirk, which, of course, as we just discussed, would be the right rank for one James T. Kirk at the time, and we were like, "Oh no, no, please don't already have him show up." So who shows up? Sam. Sam. George Samuel Kirk shows up. And so here's another little piece of like, they're really stretching it is because from what we know, now we don't know everything, but the way Kirk talks about uh, James Kirk talks about him in Operation Annihilate, it's pretty clear that he's always been a civilian scientist. Yes. He never was in Starfleet. Um, but since that was never definitively stated, because why would Kirk to stop and definitively state that? Go in, through his LinkedIn in, page. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of a, you know, a serious situation. Since that was never definitive, they, and this is a few years before all of this, they decided that, oh, wouldn't it be fun if Sam Kirk also briefly anyway was in Starfleet. Before oh, we just did maybe, a little fake out. Yeah. So who shows up? Well, a uh, Kirk and a mustache, because that's how that's you know it's Sam see. Kirk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, and I think this is very smart, they used him again in the next episode, and then he just disappears. Yeah. I don't even know why he was in that episode, though. He literally just becomes incapacitated, and then we just never hear from him again. I, th- I think because somebody thought it was neat to have him, and they felt they had to use him, and then they could just yeah. kind of get rid of him, you know? like. But he still just so. disappeared into nowhere. Yeah, he's still just somewhere. That's the other things about the, about some of the, like I was saying, these little details, little plot things that bug me. It's like, you you don't you didn't have a plot reason to do this. The no. story didn't have a reason for Sam Kirk. Oh, to be that's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent. And they fan call him Sam fake out. too. Yeah, and they call yes, him and they call him Sam, which, which is, wrong. is also wrong because which according wrong. to Kirk, he is everybody calls him George. The only person who calls him Sam is Jim. Is Jim? Jim. Yep. And Pike is like, Sam, welcome to the bridge, Sam, Sam. And it's like, no, stop, stop, stop. 
You didn't even read the Memory Alpha article about it. Exactly. It's all right there, people. So, but they quickly get rid of him. So I'm that's good. <laughs> it, that's a mistake. Like, they should not have done that. So that's the only thing I would say that's like outright, like a, no, this is a clear mistake. They should not have done that so far with the show. Everything else, I'm like, eh. All right, we're stretching things. Eh, all right. Well, there's like, an, there's another one that's I think more egregious. Oh, is there? What what is what's that? The oh, Gorn. The Gorn. Oh uh, well, I wasn't since that's not a character. I wasn't. Yeah, gonna... yeah. We're, we can go off on a tangent. Yeah. Yeah, we'll leave that there. We'll leave yeah. that as that is for now. But yes, on. as as people watch and you know catch up, if you haven't watched it already, the, the Gorn. But go dude... go back and watch Arena. Yeah. And then watch. This is a hotly contested thing. I mean, if you if you look I mean, I at comments. You look at the comments on our, you know, Tony's review on the website or our friends over at All Access on their podcast, which they were hotly contesting it. You know, Lori and Tony were hotly contesting this amongst themselves. You know, it's a big hot topic for a good reason about just how this goes back to you finding little cracks in canon and where they can get away with things. Yeah. And where they can't. And where they can't. Yeah. Like here. They may have gone over the line. Yeah. All right, gang. Um, This was fun. Delving back into the on mostly unknown past lives of the TOS crew and uh, just putting things into perspective for those of you who have started watching Strange New Worlds and those of you who have not yet started Strange New Worlds, which you should. Oh, and you know what? Our UK fans couldn't have started yet, but they're about to finally be able to at the end of this month. Yes, thank God. So. Yes. At least, at least legally. Give our UK yeah, fans right. some love, Officially. please. Hmm? Give our UK fans some love. Yes. Please. Yeah, it's a super yeah, and they just canceled uh, DST London. Yeah, for... I mean they just lost their convention. Uh, it's, like it's a shame. Let's hook these people up, please. I know. As we know, where does Trek perform best? Where is Trek best known? English speaking countries. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the UK, and Germany, for some reason, and then Germany. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and in but... the German version, Doctor McCoy's nickname is Pills, not Bones. Right. <laughs> really, right. I didn't I know, know that. that. Yeah, I yeah. That. <laughs> I watched. I watched. Uh, generations in german once and when kurt gets like the clock or whatever he said jessica shang hot mere pillage gave me which means pill pills gave me this it's like huh i guess they call them pills instead of bones well, that's funny mccoy, McCoy is a bit why. of a pill so that does you know there's gotta and, be you know, some idiom that i don't understand have p- prescribed pills so but yeah it works yeah that's funny. I, you know, that's funny because when I was visiting Germany, it was TNG was at the at its peak, so I saw tons of syndicated TNG repeats. Oh, mm. cool. Dubbed in German, and uh, but I, you know, I didn't see a lot of TOS at the, when I was like there as a as a kid when it was in the nineties. Um, but man, well, because I knew TNG so well, that's it. it basically, learned German through watching, you know, Trek repeats and picks mm. them up. <laughs> Patterns of Force didn't didn't air in Germany until the mid nineties. That's right. <clears throat> That's because they were very concerned about any kind of that imagery, Nazi imagery. Yeah, yeah, in any pop culture. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Anyway, wow, what a what a tangent. That was a tangent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fun one. Okay, I have another tangent. I have to throw this at you. Okay, so uh, Matt and Kayla, have you, you guys have been to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Many times. love uh-huh. it. Okay, so that's yeah. most important. Uh, most well known to Star Trek fans as the Cetacean Institute. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I think right. of it every time they, I they go. Have, they have humpback whales named George and Gracie. They yeah. do. They also have a live sea otter cam, which I have had on this entire recording. It oh, it's delightful. Usually, most yeah. wonderful thing in yes. the world. It's it's like a- ASMR times ten. <laughs> Those sea otters is true. They're great. People they also, people crowd around cute. to see them. They also have uh, videos on YouTube that are like, um, it's videos of like cephalopods and it'll be mm-hmm. like 10 mm-hmm. hours of cephalopods with lo-fi music to relax, chill, study to. And it's just That's 10 hours of cephalopods. It's, yeah, it's great. Well, Their YouTube awesome. channel is fantastic. Yeah. No, it's How true. am I ever going to get to Strange New Worlds? I got the Orville. I got Stranger it's Things. I got an otter cam. I got cephalopods. I'm swamped. there's not enough time in the day there just isn't and if you watch resident alien some cephalopods are actually aliens that's true there you go another fun show not on currently not on though yeah 
All right, and before we wrap up, I wanted to make sure and say a big thank you to three new Patreon supporters. Woohoo! So thank you so much, guys. This is a shout out to Ian Gonzalez, Domestic, and Chrissy Jordan. All right, I think I know Ian. I believe Ian is uh, Ian, Ian and I follow each other on the Twitter machine. Ah, oh, fantastic! So, uh, so thank you very much, Ian. That was very cool of you, and thank you to Domestic and Chrissy. Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate it. We, we really do appreciate it. We love all all of our fans, even if you know you, you feel like you can't donate. But we have that Patreon out there. It's just like a, a tip jar. So if you want to say, hey, you know, thanks for doing the podcast, buy us a coffee or whatever, we really super appreciate you. Yes, we do. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Well, thanks for sticking us stick sticking around with us till the end here, guys. Um, <laughs> fun as always chatting with you. Yes, and, indeed. Uh, We'll see you guys again next time on the Shuttle Pod. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.